I'm Monica Melpass. Coming up on Inside Story, who's getting key endorsements in the Pennsylvania congressional race and who's who on the new school board in Philadelphia. Let's get the Inside Story. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Story. Let's meet our insiders today. They are Charmaine Matlock-Turner, nonprofit executive. Welcome back to you, Thank Charmaine. Thank you. Good to see you. Always good to have you. Dom Giordano, radio talk show host. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Monica. Jim Eisenhower, attorney. Glad to have you with us, Jim. Good morning, and Liz Preet, Havy GOP committee chair. Always good to see you as well, Liz. Glad to be back. Thanks for being here. Let's say a big shout out and cheers to Villanova Wildcats, the Vince wow. basketball team. All right, there we go. Rock yes. again, yes. winning that national championship. Could you believe it? Two out of three years? Uh, it shows that Jay Wright, thank God we have him here. Right? Yes. Yes. Exactly right. Champion through and through. Well, I mean, Philly is really excited. I mean, we are a real championship town now. And I just want to say that Charles Barkley predicted that the 76ers would be in the playoffs, which we are, and now he's predicted we'll right. win it all. I think we should pay attention to Charles. How about that? Right. We'd be champions every two months, Jim, right? The I Eagles and then Villanova. <laughs> the trifecta, right? That'd be nice. That'd be we could have a three-peat. <laughs> right. All right. Let's talk about the Philadelphia School Board. Nine new members officially in place now, selected by Mayor Kenny. Uh, there's been some criticism, though, that there isn't enough representation from the immigrant community and people who maybe have direct knowledge of struggling schools. Now, two of the members do have children in the school uh, system, but they're at some of the schools that are doing better, of course. Do you think that's going to hold them back? They are going on a listening tour list, so they're going to be hearing some of the issues. I was pleasantly surprised with with the choices. I thought that Mayor Kenny not picking people who are already have their flag in the sand saying this is where we are and are in, immovable in terms of issues, um, I thought was a good thing. I think he's picked people that appear to be open-minded. Um, the negative, I would say, is you're right, I don't think all the constituencies were covered. And I, last time I was on, I mentioned, I, I do think, um, you know, with a third of the kids in charter schools, a third of the people should have had some basis in the charter schools. I know we do have one parent that right. has some kids there, but um, so I, it's good and bad. I, I'm not sure that this, the school board actually is going to be able to make so some tremendous change. I, I'm not particularly optimistic, but I like that um, Mayor Kenny at least um, didn't pick people who seem to be polarized and maybe these people will go in and actually have a dialogue that's different than some fresh blood yeah. uh, and it's a three billion dollar budget this is mm -hmm. not small potatoes with a school district obviously like many mm -hmm. big inner city school districts right. that have a lot of big problems well that's the thing I'd like to ask though I'd like to see just some way shape or form an accounting of where does three billion dollars go mm -hmm. and I hear vague things and I know there are special ed and sometimes they blame the charter schools but you mean inside that there are not the basic amenities that we would expect in Philadelphia public schools that can't be met and just to Don's point, I mean, already uh, Julia Dancy, who is one of the right. members who I know very well, who worked in the city social service department for a number of years, has already said she wants to know whether or not there are some opportunities for the city and their social service system to be more connected to helping and supporting kids. So I, I am cautiously optimistic. I was glad to see that uh, the mayor brought in some new people, people who didn't seem to be so ideological, but seem to be open to try to figure are, out uh, what is the best way the to, to work the school. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, right. That were uh, named to the new uh, board, yes. that, uh, which I think shows some continuity. 
uh, and uh, and some stability. I think it's a good decision. But no attorneys, no activists. There are uh, some social workers, a pediatrician. Nothing wrong with attorneys. Wait a minute. No attorneys. There are two lawyers. Joyce, Joyce Wilkerson, who is a great, is a lawyer, right. and one of the other oh, members okay. is That's a lawyer. <laughs> they just right. aren't practicing. Exactly. But, but there are some people there who've read the law books. They're practicing. You can't stop them. Do you think change will be incremental, Jim, or do you expect wholesale? Uh, maybe from cutting from a new cloth, right. a new approach to school. I don't school. expect a, a cataclysmic change. I don't think that's good for, for the kids or good for the city. Uh, I do think that uh, there'll be a change of tone, uh, and I think uh, uh, you know perhaps more of an emphasis on uh, uh, traditional educational issues and maybe, maybe adding back some of the amenities that have been cut, uh, like after-school programs, things mm -hmm. that parents really are are crying out for. Right, the arts in particular. Yes. But, All right. but to Dom's point though, wouldn't it be great if this board did something different and actually looked at the budget kind of mm -hmm. uh, from the beginning? Let's look at everything and let's talk about every single item here and how can this money be better spent? I don't know if that'll happen, but wouldn't that be Well, even new? if we're under pressure from some things that appear yeah. to be intractable, this is a new public moment. Yep. They have Kenny, exactly. the right. architect of this, to push back and uh, ask for relief or a fight over relief from something that they feel they shouldn't have to cover or pay. I would hope it wouldn't be charter schools, though, because I think charter schools are obviously what people want in large measure. Well, I think, uh, again, I think they've said that they're willing to listen, and mm -hmm. I'm sure they're watching this morning, uh, hearing what we're talking about. I do think these are people who really care about trying to improve the system. They understand what some of the issues are because they've been in Philadelphia a long period <clears> of time. And so I really want to give them a chance to really get up to speed. I do think that this ultimately, though, is a marriage between the mayor, city council, and the school board. And all three of those entities are going to be responsible for making sure that the money is spent well and that we are ultimately getting enough money in our schools to meet the needs of our children. Meantime, let's move on. May 15th, the uh, primary day coming up quickly in just over mm -hmm. a month. Uh, the Pennsylvania congressional lines have been redrawn. Some Democrats feel that'll help them. Republicans are questioning some of the lines, but nonetheless, the race is here almost a month away. So uh, let's see who's gotten a key endorsements already. We're looking at uh, Mayor Kenny has already endorsed Dwight Evans and Richard Laser, who was on his staff, a former deputy for him, as well as uh, Delaware County has 14 people running out there, and one of them has gotten a key endorsement from former Plus Governor Republicans. Edmund Republicans. 14 <laughs> Democrats. <laughs> just among the Republicans, exactly. Mary no, no, Stanley. just among the Democrats. Right. Right. There's, two right. Republicans. There's two Republicans. Them. Yes. All right, yeah. so let's talk about it. Who's uh, leading the pack at this point? Well, I, I'm going to let the Democrats decide <laughs> who, who is yeah. leading the pack. Of the 14, who do you oh, like? 14. Well, I think uh, having so many from the county right. uh, makes it a little bit more likely that the city candidate uh, may prevail, and that's Richie Laser, who has the backing uh, of organized labor uh, and is the only candidate from South Philadelphia, which is part of the district. Uh, in, in terms of uh, the county, and there's a big desire to have a, a county mm -hmm. congressman, like the old days. Or congresswoman. Uh, or congresswoman. Yeah, I use the term interchangeably. <laughs> I think Mary Gay Scanlon really has the upper hand there. She's uh, an experienced attorney. She's done a ton of pro bono work in the city, and she's been endorsed by former uh, Governor Ed Rendell. Anybody else that stand out that you think is really rising well, to what, the top? What stands out to me is the chaos, and particularly on the Republican side, with Ryan Costello retiring and leaving at the last minute. I don't see much of a shot there with Pat Meehan and the stuff that went on. going to be very difficult for Republicans. And here locally, uh, all eyes are on Tom MacArthur now. 
the most recent surge in Jersey is Democrats think that's where they can pick off somebody else. I like what he's done tremendously, but he's out of step with certain elements in New Jersey. And you see it differently, I'm sure, Liz. Well, I think the Republicans have a good candidate in Pearl Kim. She is an Asian-American lawyer who is a former assistant district attorney and deputy mm -hmm. attorney general. So, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna fight anyway, even though it's going to be an uphill battle. I think the Montgomery County seat is actually now one that we could never win before, and now it's, it's a plus seven Democrat seat. So we're, it's still an uphill battle, but not mm -hmm. nearly as hard as the fifth. So the fourth, you know, we have one candidate um, and uh, who's seeking the endorsement. So we'll see. I, I'm a little more optimistic for the fourth than I am for the fifth in Delaware County. All right, so it's going to be interesting to watch. And yes, I think it's going to be interesting. I, 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 there was a candidates forum uh, uh, this week, and uh, many people were saying that they were pleasantly surprised to see um, how well the Democrats did. They were expecting to go in and see a couple people sort of rise to the top, and they were pleasantly surprised that all of the candidates seemed uh, really, really strong. It's going to take 55% of the committee members in, in, in the district uh, to actually do an endorsement. So I think it's going to really, really be tough. Um, it's really going to ultimately, I think, uh, come um, to who has the endorsements and who has enough money to really get their message through. Speaking of money, let's talk about the governor's race, and that one's coming up as well. Mm -hmm. The incumbent, of course, Governor Wolf, has a big war chest. He has really two and a half times as much money as anybody else that is in the field. He's running unopposed, mm -hmm. obviously, but everybody else, the Republicans, are trying to uh, get jockey for position, if you will. And who do you see coming out ahead there, Liz? Well, I think Scott Wagner is going to win the primary. Um, he's raised twice as much money. There's, you know, in the polls that we've seen, he's the one that's the most um, people believe is the best candidate to um, go head to head against Wolf. So I, I, I think that Scott, he's running more TV ads than, than, than his closest opponent, which is uh, Paul Mango, and um, he has the endorsement of the state party. So I, I think that in the end, Scott will win, and I think he'll probably win pretty easily. And speaking of labor, there half of the money that uh, Governor Wolf has raised is from labor. So mm -hmm. do you see that he is a slam dunk for it? Uh, well, I think Governor Wolf is a very strong candidate going into November. Uh, this time he's raising a lot more money uh, and not just, you know, self-funding. But he's the incumbent, so you mm -hmm. know, the incumbent yeah. always raises a lot That's more money. True. <laughs> That's true. But, he, but he's doing it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he's also uh, had a good year, I think. He's, he's, he's uh, introduced a, a very rational, reasonable budget. Uh, he's called for campaign com uh, finance reform and ethics reform, the first governor in a long time to do that. Whether it gets passed or not, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I think he set out a, a good agenda for what he will do should he be reelected, and talk. And he's talking about things that, that voters want. I see it as, with my listeners, I can only speak to, it's like another planet. I talk about this all the time with Harrisburg. They're not keyed into this at all, Monica. There's no juice right, connected right. to it. Too early so, in the race or just they no, don't even it's just not, With Wolf and all right. that, they don't like him. He's too liberal, death penalty and all that. But there's no real Passion, focus on this. So right. what the Republican has to do is to challenge on an issue that might reverberate. That's what the shot is, I think. And Wagner will raise a lot of TV money. And I think uh, I like the death penalty issue as something. If Pennsylvanians really support a moratorium or getting rid of that. It's just one that's kind of visceral. But otherwise, uh, Wolf is not, I don't see a lot of um, people that are angry with him here locally. Mm -hmm. He's just a non-entity. But I think area. it's a part of the 2018 elections, which is where you're looking 
for the Democrats to come out for a lot of different reasons, mm -hmm. which will include the governor. But congressional races are going to be really, really big in November as they talk about uh, control of the House of Representatives right. in Washington sure. um, and other kinds of local races, too. So I think that that's going to help Governor Wolf will be the turnout in a lot of other local races that are going to well, happen. And, in and that's where Wagner has to make a decision. When I've interviewed him multiple times, one day he seems to be Trumpian. The next day, I only ran backing into away. him backing away. He's got to decide where that's going to go in Pennsylvania for 2018, and that's that's a big decision if he is the candidate. Right. It's tricky, though, isn't Very it? Very uh, Every day yes. could be a different feeling, right. well, and exactly. legitimately so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the citizenship question. Pennsylvania is now one of 17 states that have joined together mm -hmm. to sue the Trump administration, and several major cities, including Philadelphia, have jumped in here as well on this lawsuit, trying to keep census information that's being gathered from being passed along. So questions of uh, whether you're a citizen or not, and they're trying to get a full count, of course. That includes people who are workers from other countries, immigrants who are contributing mm -hmm. to the tax base but may not be full American citizens. But whether that information is used in a sound way is the question of the lawsuit. Were you surprised that this one was filed, Jim? Uh, not really. I think it, it goes back to a lot of these same issues of, around illegal immigration and, uh, and this argument about uh, uh, who, whose role is it to identify if someone is illegal and do something about it. Uh, the Census Bureau is not, their job is not to find illegal immigrants and help people deport them. Uh, never has been. Uh, I know, Dom, I can see already is disagreeing with me. But, <laughs> but I think uh, any, anything face. that chills, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. chills someone from filling out right. that form is right. bad. Because it's bad for the city. For this is how the city gets federal funding. Yeah, that's yeah. how we get. I, I helped make uh, Mayor Nutter put together a nonprofit during the last census to uh, get more people to fill out those forms because we directly benefit from it. Uh, so the, this is uh, p political games, it seems to me, uh, and, and trying to uh, well, get a little action on the immigration issue. But I would say this used to be on the census form, and I think it's a common sense, straightforward. You have two choices. You can put down you are or you are not. The only trouble you get into is if you lie about it. And Answering the question, are you a citizen or aren't you? If you say you're a citizen and you're not, there could be potential trouble. Although I don't see, I don't think the Trump administration has gone out there and been looking for people in this manner. And it's a pretty straightforward question. If we can't ask that, are we really a nation? So I don't see the Census Bureau being ICE or the police here. Right. Well, my understanding is that there's a federal law that, that, um, uh, make sure that the um, Census Bureau does not share the information that mm -hmm. they've obtained. So, I mean, if they're not allowed to share the information, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, listen, th this is tough, right, because you do want to get the most accurate right. information. And, and how do we know if you're, you know, if you're a citizen mm -hmm. or you're not? I mean, we, we, we don't, we haven't been able to figure out but how to get that. the level of trust here is right. so low. Right. Exactly, yes. Right. But is the level of trust. Facebook and look what happened there. Sure. And 870,000 <laughs> folks in Philadelphia, that's 3% of the population, yes. are non-citizens. And they contribute $6 million Absol to the bottom line. Absolutely. And when we, when we so proudly talk about Philadelphia's growing, we're almost 1.6 million right. people. And a lot of times we talk mm -hmm. about all the millennials that are coming in. The numbers are growing because Philadelphia has been able to attract immigrants who are coming here, who are working, who are paying taxes, who are becoming a part uh, of our community. And I think creating that fear that we are talking about making the census a police force kind of program, I think is a mistake. All right, we're going to take a break. Inside Stories and much more in our second segment coming up right after this. Stick around. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University.
And welcome back to Inside Story. Some interesting twists in the criminal justice system in the past week. Former Attorney General Kathleen Kane back in the news. A federal judge says a lawsuit filed by a formal rival of hers can be heard. Uh, what do you think is going to be happening in all of this by the time you yeah. untangle the web? Monica, this is the thing that never ends. <laughs> yes. you know, this former rival is the same guy involved in the Porngate and right. the the thing the, the stuff that, the stuff that brought her down and who went to go and work for Seth right? and, he got, yes. and the leaks and the grand right. jury it's the same person uh, so uh, this has been a vendetta uh, by against by these two individuals in, from in, from my perspective for the last number of years um, hoping hoping that this will be the end of it one way or the other the case will now that the judge said the case can go forward. Have it go forward, have it be adjudicated, and you know, and let's and let's move on. Do you think there will ever be some subpoenas issued and testimony given, and will we actually hear some things? I think we will, and I think the judge made the right decision. You know, prosecutors have incredible power, and she clearly abused her power, and she ruined lives, and Fina's is one of them, and maybe you know, there's some problems that he caused as well. But the point is, this should come out, this should be a lesson that we cannot have prosecutors who do things like this. But it was uh, originally the judge decided no, and then an appeals court reheard it and decided parts of the case. You've mm -hmm. got to think, right. think it through again. And right. so now bits and pieces will be heard. Big picture to me, I'm glad to say that Kathleen Kane seems to be, I bet to people thinking about it now, who was that again? Mm -hmm. So it, it's not to the detriment of women, I don't think. Remember Good. we had that yep. fear? This was the leader, the biggest name and all that. Women won't be able to, I don't see that. She was the first in the office. The first in the office, right. yes. All right, Penn State, the hazing charges were dropped for mm -hmm. many of the young people who were charged in the fraternity scandal there. Uh, it is still moving forward, but many of the tougher charges have been dropped. Uh, 11 of the 26 young men waiting to see if there's enough evidence against them. What do you think? Is that uh, foretelling what's going to come in the trial? Yeah, I, I, I can't understand. I have to admit, I can't understand why this is still going on. I had uh, uh, someone call me this week of a young woman uh, from Philadelphia whose mother was on the news who was crying about the fact that her daughter was at the University of Pittsburgh and was pledging a sorority, an African-American sorority, and was hazed. I, I, I'm still trying to understand at this point why is that a part of the sorority and fraternity culture? You know, I pledged at Penn State a sorority. I didn't have that experience. I don't understand why it's still going on, and we've got to do a lot more on the prevention side. I know that there are issues around mm -hmm. the ongoing <laughs> criminal case in this instance, but we are not doing enough uh, as a community to stop this behavior once and for all. And speaking of Penn State, Al Pacino playing uh, right. a very key role in a movie that's going to be talking about the Jerry Sandusky case and how that impacted mm -hmm. Penn State, of course, and uh, Joe Paterno. What do you make of right. him being uh, Joe Paterno? Al Pacino playing it over the top. The glasses almost are the size of his head. Right. The short, the trunks are even baggier than Joe Paterno wore. And I think it's going to open up a lot of unanswered questions. I don't think it comes down I think it comes down a little bit on the side Paterno knew and should have done something more, but it leaves a lot of open stuff there about who knew what. Opening wounds that you wish had healed and we could be done with no, it? No, I think it's a good thing. I, right. I think it's still something that we ought to revisit and uh, remember what happened, yeah. All right, and of course a sad legacy last week, 50 years since Martin Luther King was assassinated and many people, including his own mm -hmm. granddaughter, trying to understand are we better off now than we were five decades ago? If Martin Luther King were alive today, do you think he would be uh, pleased with some progress, uh, hopeful in other areas, or would he be mortified? 
Uh, you know what, I, I, I tried to go back and look at some of his quotes and sort of really try to channel what I thought he was sort of seeing and feeling in the world. And one that really stuck out with me was that progress is precarious. That change, once you make one change, there are other changes that are going to need to be made. And so I think he understood that progress is hopefully moving ahead, but it, there are, are, are ways along the way that you're going to twist and turn, and we're not always going to be at the place where we need to be. I think the other thing he said was that it is easier to change rules and laws. Um, it's harder to change hearts and minds, and that's the part of the work that we have to continue as well. We've got to change the rules. We've got to make sure that the laws are fair, but we also have to continue to struggle as a community to make sure that we're changing hearts and minds about who we are and how we ultimately connect as a people. So it's different, the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law yeah. or, you know, the feelings and values that generated a law. But these cataclysmic events, I know in, in our family, my, my own family, uh, Martin Luther King's death was a profound thing. I remember my dad taping up the, the portrait of King that came with the Philadelphia Inquirer on our porch at Olney. Uh, some of our neighbors didn't like that. Some, some did. Uh, but I read recently that in the aftermath of King's assassination, the Kerner Commission recommended certain gun control uh, uh, laws, and the NRA agreed with them back in 1968 and 69, and they were enacted. Uh, it, it makes me think maybe, maybe now, 50 years later, with the cataclysmic events that we've had with these sh school shootings, with this outburst of, of energy from these kids, uh, that maybe there is some ability to compromise. Maybe we can look back at that experience from King, and maybe this time we will get some meaningful change. Mm. And do you see other areas that need some work, obviously? Well, what I see is a genius of Martin Luther King the last few years, uh, when he was assassinated in Memphis, it was the economy mm -hmm. that he was pushing toward, not just the mm -hmm. overall civil rights sure. message and the Vietnam War. So I see him as somebody not frozen in time, but somebody who would have morphed into any of the issues that maybe touch upon race, but get into areas of uh, a bigger picture that affect everybody, Quality but particularly African-Americans, definitely. All right, we'll have to leave it. Last quote. Oh, I was going to say, there are two, two quick points. One is that um, I think that if you look back, he was at the time often thought of as, as polarizing, and the country was very mm -hmm. divided. And you look now, 50 years later, we really, I think, in a lot of ways, have healed a lot, and, and he's not considered a polarizing person. And um, so that, that gives me, I think that's really wonderful positive development. The other thing is the, the basis of his message really was his belief in Christianity and the Bible. And I, it's, it kind of was stunning to me looking at even Fox News's review mm. of his legacy and there was nothing said about that. And that, mm. that's a little troubling to me. All right. We'll have to leave it at that. Inside Story is coming your way right after this. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Time for Inside Stories of the Week, and let's start with Liz. Insights, my inside story is that there will be a Republican poll released um, beginning of this coming week that's going to show that Scott Wagner is you know, nearly 30 points ahead of his closest primary opponent. So I think he's going to be the clear victor in May. All right, Jim. Well, Monica, uh, Attorney General Josh Shapiro really showed some courage this week. He brought a tough case against a fellow prosecutor in western Pennsylvania, county prosecutor, charged him with obstruction of justice, other crimes, 
always very, very difficult for one prosecutor to charge another. Mm -hmm. It shows a lot of courage. Dom. My story is every year I have the honor of reading the Phillies essays on teachers, great teachers that they honor on a night with their name on the scoreboard, put them out on the field. And the ones that I read this year, just an example, a kid said, I was weird. The teacher embraced my weirdness, and that made all the difference. Wow. you got to love it. I mean, doing really great stuff on an everyday basis. Love that. Charmaine. Monica, we're really excited. My mom this weekend is celebrating her 90th birthday, oh. and I just want to say happy birthday, Mom. Angelina Carey, we love you. You're special. Thank you for everything. Isn't that nice? Happy Very birthday, nice Angelina. And that's the Inside you. Story for this week. Thanks for watching. Hope to see you back here next Sunday morning, and thanks to our insiders. Have a good week ahead. We'll see you next week.